0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at a book called Witch Hunt by Sid Moore Uh, and I was initially really excited about this book because it's written by someone who uh, lives quite near me. It's about stuff to do with the area in which I live which is always quite exciting because a lot of these books are generally written by American writers um, and they focus on obviously american stuff salem and the witch hunts there for example this one is about the witch hunts in essex and um, apparently they were quite awful they were really very really terrible basically england's equivalent of salem except far more people were executed so that was a really interesting learning experience and definitely one of the positives about this book however and i'm just going to jump right into it I think this book represents a first for me because I've never been so split on a book before. Um, Usually I get to the end of a book and I'm like oh I really liked that and would read it again and recommend it to other people or I didn't really like that but I could see how some people would or this book is terrible and I genuinely don't think anyone should read it. This one I don't really know how to feel. Going into it it was sort of meant to be a ghost story, a mystery, it was meant to have witch focus. All of these things were really interesting to me and i thought i would really really like it as it turned out it's a book that i will probably never read again because it was a struggle for me to get through so uh, i'm going to jump right into it and read you the blurb sadie asquith has always been fascinated by the dark part of the essex witch hunts but as she researches the troubled era that saw over 500 women tried for witchcraft sadie experiences strange ghostly visions she hears a terrifying sobbing at night and black moths appear from nowhere It's as if she has opened an unearthly connection to the women killed centuries before. And something in the living world is haunting her too. Sadie feels like she's being watched. Is she under threat or is she losing her mind? Can Sadie find peace for the witches and a safe path for herself? Uh, And then it says that it's a chilling ghost story. And on the front there's a review by The Guardian that says, A stunning reinvention of the ghost story. Um, Which is obviously major props because The Guardian major newspaper and you know usually know what they're talking about. I'm going to start with some positives about the book which is that the core mystery at the heart of it when you actually get to the end and it all becomes revealed it's quite a good mystery. It's quite an interesting twist. Uh, I liked how the two things tied together in the end. I'm going to try not to give spoilers because I think you know you should read it and make up your own mind but the mystery itself was kind of satisfying by the time i got to the end so there weren't any real plot holes in that it was competently put together and the writing for the most part is quite good so unfortunately there were quite a lot of negatives which i feel like most of the time on the podcast when i talk about a negative with a book i think it's something that i think it will annoy a lot of people i feel like these are more personal things to me so treat this review as even more subjective than normal because quite a lot of these things annoyed me and i ended up not having a really good time with the book. For example, the book is over 400 pages long, which is very long for a book of this kind, like a mystery novel, uh, especially like a modern one. The Drowning Pool, which is the author's first novel, is about half the length. I was a bit confused as to why this one was suddenly so long. And I think most of that is to do with the fact that there's a lot in here that didn't really need to be in this book and in some ways kind of detracted focus from the interesting story. Uh, and the build-up of mystery and fear which is meant to come with exploring a ghost story and a mystery. Part of what makes the midsection of the novel so kind of flabby and messy is the amount of exposition that is just crammed in. There's a lot of scenes, pretty much the majority of the middle of the book is the main character, Sadie, who has a book deal to write a book about the Essex witch trials, Meeting random people, um, meeting people like her uncle's birthday party, or meeting her editor, meeting her friend who she works for, uh, writing articles for a magazine, and just giving them exposition about the Essex witch hunts. And obviously, it's something that the author really cares about and has researched a lot, and that's very clear in the book. But a lot of it just feels like here is all the research that I've done, and I've just copy pasted what could be half of the chapter from a non fiction book into this fiction book which it feels quite stodgy and the conversations are quite slow moving quite contrived because they're just talking in these like long long passages about this is stuff that happened there are some great sections later on where sadie recounts briefly stories of actual hunts that occurred um there's a really sad story uh which is a true story uh about a little boy who was basically orphaned because of the witch hunts and his only friend was a horse that he like slept next to in a field on cold nights and because he talked to it they thought he was a witch and they killed him that's horrifying and the book does a really good job of bringing that across because it's quite a short section and it feels organic the way it's introduced in the conversation but the beginning a lot of the facts about the witch finder general for example hopkins are just very thickly laid on and very lengthy very dry and it just feels like no two people will be having a conversation about this it just feels like the author has done a lot of research and wants to put that in the book but not in necessarily a very organic way that you would normally see in fiction the other side of things that is kind of crowbarred in is this connection between witches and the Essex girl archetype and when I looked at the author Sid Moore who is um, a lady not a man to eliminate any confusion because it is a gender neutral name um, she is apparently an activist and is actively working to kind of destroy this stereotype of the Essex girl as some sort of screaming ladette in white stilettos with a low cart top and this is kind of a stereotype that I'm aware of because I was born in Essex I live very close to Essex spend a lot of time there I feel like it has very little place in this book again it feels like the author cares a lot about it and so wants to bring it in and so the main character periodically writes articles about Essex about things going on there and about these stereotypes and then has these long conversations and like internal ramblings where they try and connect the idea of which is being executed for being you know outspoken free with their affections in a way that um, people at the time because they were quite buttoned down, didn't like, Um, and various other things, trying to connect those two ideas and I can see how they kind of are connected but at the same time it has very little relevance to the actual plot of the book and doesn't really need to be there, it just feels like the author climbed up on a soapbox for 10 minutes and just stuffed that in the book as well because it was something they were interested in without really thinking about how it would come across in the plot and I think there are maybe better ways to do that something else that kind of bothered me at the start of the book was that Sadie I think for the majority like the first three quarters of the book has a real dearth of motivation um she already has a book deal so she's not really struggling to find a publisher of her book to try and get it done to a time limit because she meets her new editor and he seems kind of happy with the progress that she's making there's no pressure on her there although her stepdad goes missing at the beginning of the book because um, her mum dies and her stepdad who has like a history of mental health problems has got missing and she finds out that he's off his medication in like the first like 50 pages although he's missing she doesn't really seem to make any effort to actually look for him and doesn't actually worry about him at all he's he's not mentioned from about page 50 to about page 150 when he randomly shows up again so it just kind of feels like sadie has no purpose in the story she's just going about her normal daily life meeting with friends and although a few ghostly things are happening she doesn't really show a lot of curiosity in trying to work out what's happening for example she gets a random message on facebook um which seems to be from a ghost using messenger and although she contacts her friend who's in the police um To look at her computer, he says, you know, there's no real record that a message was sent to you. But she doesn't then take her computer to, like, the genius bar to be like, what's happening with my computer? She doesn't install software or try and work out where this message is coming from. She even thinks at one point that the person who's sending the messages might be able to see her, but this doesn't seem to worry her at all. She doesn't really care a lot, and it feels like as a character, she's very passive stuff happens to her because the plot needs to happen in the book but she doesn't seem to make a lot of decisions people just tell her things and then she has no curiosity in actually following those up now i think maybe as a way to combat the fact that the first half of the book is a little bit slow the author starts chucking in these things about how stuff is going to happen and how it's going to be dark and scary and interesting. So it will say things at the end of chapters like I wish I knew then what I know now or if only someone could have told me or things were about to get a hell of a lot darker. And these are the ones that I managed to go back and find. So page 20, 70, 74, 79, 158, 246, 250, 265, 273, 314, 375, 384. So it happens 12 times that I could actually locate once I finished the book. And you can do that one or two times to kind of build tension. Um, But it's kind of a lazy way of foreshadowing. Like foreshadowing is when something ominous happens that the actual characters might not be aware of. But you as the reader is like, oh, this is a little bit not good and kind of signals that bad things are going to come. For example, the moths in the story are kind of ominous and creepy. And I feel like they kind of show that something dark is going on. But you don't really need to the end of like 12 chapters to be like, if only I had known what was about to happen. It's like, well, then get to that. Stop trying to give me a potted history of the Essex witch hunts in these like giant chunks of exposition. Weave it into the story and just let the story happen faster because I am losing interest. I think the reason maybe that the midsection is so padded is because for a hundred pages, her stepdad needs to disappear and that he needs to come back later, but he needs to have been missing for a while. Which I kind of get. But one of the things that bothered me is that she doesn't like call the police or try and check in on him. She doesn't even go to his flat after the first time. And that's only because a nurse at her mum's hospice tells her to go and check up on him. She doesn't really take the initiative to continually go there, to check up on the place, to even ask the neighbours to keep an eye. You know, things that people would do. And she doesn't also deal with the death of her mother in any way during that section. She doesn't pack up her house. She doesn't even visit her house until the end of the book when she needs to get a clue from there so it feels like uh, there's a lot of stuff that she could be doing and a lot of stuff that could take up the time that the author needs to pass but what we have instead is just random exposition and also if you need the stepdad to disappear for quite a while just say that he disappeared a while ago before the book starts because he apparently he's not seen at the beginning of the book he disappeared slightly before like a couple of days before her mum's death and she hasn't seen him since so just say that he disappeared a couple of weeks ago and has been missing for a while and show that Sadie is worried. It, it just made very little sense to me. That one, the lack of worry that she has and two, the, the very clear kind of padding out of things until he's ready to show up again. Again, these are things that probably will only bother me. So that's why I said it's incredibly subjective. But the other thing that really bothered me was Sadie herself as a character. Because I feel like to make this work, you need... a a kind of strong character and she has a lot of strong opinions specifically the author's opinions about Essex girls and the witch hunts that seems to be the only thing that she ever feels strongly about because she is uninterested to the point of indifference in the mystery around her for most of the book and also when something exciting or scary does happen her reactions to it just immediately quashed my interest uh, so for example on a visit to colchester castle she goes down to the dungeons to see where the women were held when they had been accused of witchcraft and obviously this puts the willies up her in quite a nice scene uh, where she gets a little bit scared she's a little bit kind of affected by where she is but then when she's left on her own and the door mysteriously closes locking her in one of the cells she doesn't like run to the door and bang on it or shout for help She just sort of stands there and then wonders if her phone will have signal to reach the office upstairs. She's not really in the moment. She's acting too logically as if the author kind of wanted to show that she was rational, but it it kind of robs the scene of urgency because she's instantly kind of thinking about how, oh, well, if I can phone them, they'll come and get me or, you know, they'll eventually come back and find me. And even though there is sort of a ghostly presence in the cell with her after that, and she does get freaked out, her initial response just wasn't frightened enough to make me care about any sense of danger in the scene this happens again around the 150 page mark um she's like lying on the sofa at the end of a long hard day and she's just like oh today was really hard and then she feels something like drip on her face and she wipes it away and it's like a dark liquid that could be blood could be something else and then a drop of it falls out of the ceiling into her eye and at this point, I would probably scream. I mean, it's unpleasant enough when something drips in your eye anyway or a fly buzzes into it unexpectedly. But to know that there is this foul liquid dripping from the ceiling and to have it actually enter your body and go in your eye, I would freak out. I think any rational person would at least jump up or like, frantically wipe it away with her hand. But she's described as wiping away with a tissue which she wasn't actually holding. So she must have picked up a tissue and wiped it off, which seems kind of... Again, overthinking it it is the kind of reaction that you would have just to seeing a drop of liquid where it shouldn't be on a table. Oh, I'll just pick up this tissue and wipe it away. Even knocking over a wine glass, your reaction would be a lot more frantic. And especially when like this random weird liquid is just dripping out of the ceiling into your eye socket. You'd think that her reaction would be a bit more, Oh, get it off me, get it off me, wipe it with my shirt, wipe it with my hand. Do anything but calmly look around for a tissue and then clean your eye. Now, I've mentioned that Sadie seems uninterested in the mystery because she's not really pursuing any of these weird things that are happening to her. Um, For example, she hears weird scratching sounds in her ceiling and keeps thinking to herself, oh, I should probably call an exterminator. But doesn't really think to go and look for a source of these or to actually do anything that a normal person would do if they heard these sounds um the kind of clincher for that uh, for her like lack of investment in the mystery came after she accepted that she was being kind of spoken to by ghosts of people who had been executed for witchcraft and she decides that they must be looking for justice because none of the women were ever pardoned for these like crimes supposedly that they were executed for So she goes to the magazine where she does articles and she's like, we should organize that we should do a campaign to get pardons for these women. And I was like, yes, finally, she's doing something. She's getting excited. This is where all of her knowledge about witch hunts comes into play and she'll get to finally like fight for something. But then instantly she's like, "Okay, we should do this. And then one of the assistants at the magazine is called in to help and they say, oh, well, you can help us because you know a lot about this. And she's like me. I don't have time to do that. I'm writing a book guys and it just feels like she's like oh okay these ghosts have come to me for justice I'll just pass that on to an underling and then I can get on with my life she just seems really not interested in her own story and it's like she's a bored actress just phoning in a performance in a movie that she feels is beneath her which is a massive problem for a fictional character that is created to carry this narrative (laughs) Aside from finding her just generally bored with her own story, I also found Sadie quite unlikable because although she's really kind of up on, you know, how even though she's an Essex girl, she doesn't conform to that stereotype, she's very quick to stereotype other people. For example, she meets like uh, an older lady and she sort of comments that, oh, an Essex woman would never let herself be seen without makeup and her hair done, probably. Essex women take care of themselves. And when her kind of love interest guy who is a police officer brings a colleague to her house to look at her laptop which is quite nice of him considering that she seems to be hysterical and worrying about literally nothing all she can comment on is how fat the woman is and how she stomps and how she looks sour uh, and how she like stabs at the keyboard with her pudgy fingers um And she's just generally internally rude about basically everyone she meets except for the two guys in the book that she wants to fuck. So she doesn't come off as incredibly likeable. She also doesn't have any interest in people. At her uncle's birthday, which she doesn't want to go to, she meets a woman there who's a friend of the family who she hasn't met before. And she's just sort of looking at her like, oh, this woman who's wearing a hippie skirt. Oh, she's talking to me. Oh, I don't want to talk to her. Oh, people. But then as soon as the woman says, oh, I have something like to do with the witch hunts that I know about, she's internally like, oh, this is probably just rubbish that I've already heard. But when the woman demonstrates that she has knowledge that could be helpful to Sadie in her book, suddenly Sadie has time for her. And so she just comes off as being kind of a bitch. Um, so I didn't have a lot of time for Sadie as a character because she seemed, one, like a bitch and two, like she felt she was too good for her own story, which was a bit of a problem for me. Now, I've kind of gone through the major problems that I had with the book and how I didn't really find it that engaging. Again, I will say that the actual plot underneath all of that is semi-interesting and the conclusion is... I guess well thought out it definitely feels like one of those books where the plot is driving things more than the actions of the character which is a little bit of a shame but the actual mystery seems to quite be quite well thought out and there's a lot of i guess interesting stuff that draws on the history of essex and definitely made me more interested in the history of this place which is so close to me and yet i know so little about um when I was only a couple of chapters into the book I'm enjoying it quite a bit I ordered The Drowning Pool which is the author's first book and I know she has written some other books that focus maybe a bit more about like the Essex witch hunts having seen those books in real life they do look shorter than this one so I feel like maybe they'll have less of this extraneous stuff that I took issue with so I'm looking forward to reading those Um, and I do you know encourage you to pick this up if you have the energy for like a 400 page book which is quite slow going um and to be honest with you I kind of saw the mystery coming from about the 350 page mark it's not that much like from the end so I guess that was when it was starting to come out but it did frustrate me that after all this dense stuff that and all this mystery that I kind of worked the mystery out before the main character did and then even in like the expositional scene at the end where you know the bad guy is revealed and all of the plot comes out sadie still wasn't getting it and that really frustrated me because i felt like by that point she should have known what was going on but yeah i encourage you to pick this up if you're looking for a sort of modern book which focuses on the witch hunts in england which is quite interesting and can give you a little bit of history about that or you know to be honest quite a lot of history about that um And definitely look out for other books by Sid Moore because I feel like she at least knows her stuff and has done a lot of research. I just feel like maybe this book wasn't the one for me, um, but maybe some of her other books I will enjoy more uh, with, you know, different characters and a different setup. Although I am going to trigger warn, I know I didn't really discuss this because I kind of did want to talk about the plot, but I am going to trigger warn if you decide to pick this book up that there are discussions of sexual assault in there as well as well as scenes which could kind of indicate an abduction or sexual assault which could be uh, a little bit triggering for people as well and obviously a lot of things in there about like mental health um, potentially suicide attempts Um, so just be forewarned there's nothing in there that's like graphic or um, overtly stated but just err on the side of caution I'm just going to end by reading a little bit that I I thought was quite cool. Although the book never really allows you, well, never really allowed me to feel scared by anything that was going on. um I did quite enjoy this section. It's around page 300 and it's where Sadie is on her way home, but she comes over a little bit funny on the train and gets out at a small rural station. Uh, and it's there that she has another encounter with a spirit. So I'm just going to read you this section. The station was empty. A bored stillness saturated the atmosphere, the kind only ever noticeable on platforms between arrivals and departures. The brambles and undergrowth that framed the small station stirred as a gust of cold air blew in from the south, where the grey river widened and bent towards London. The fog had grown denser. Clouds of it were billowing down around the orange glow of the street lamps. The light had taken on a veiled quality, making it difficult to see clearly. But I was able to make out a woman at the end of the platform, dressed from head to toe in grey. She was bent over slightly old as I watched her she made a swooping movement with her arm surprisingly nimble for her age for a second I thought she was waving at me and leant forwards to scrutinize her face she was too far away but I saw that what I had mistaken for waving was actually a looping pointing gesture directing me to the rafters a few feet away instinctively I followed her signal and looked up she was pointing at a banner hanging there one of the fastenings had come away and it was hanging down vertically Water must have got into its structure because it had warped in the middle. A moth hovered around it, buzzing in and out as the fabric spiralled round in the mist. The sight of it was commanding. I felt the urge to move towards it. With a lumbering gait, I gave in to the pull. A few feet away, I saw it twist round and stop. I blinked and glimpsed at head height, a small pair of bare feet dangling. The flesh was rubbery, a deep gash across the ankle showing vivid purple against the grey of the skin. The toenails were broken and bruised. Then, as the breeze twirled the weight round again, I moved my gaze upwards, dressed only in soiled filthy trousers, there hung a little boy, no more than ten, suspended by rope, there was something terribly wrong about the angle of his neck. So that's Witch Hunt by Sid Moore. Uh, If you find a copy, uh, as I did just while you're out and about... Do give it a look-see and just see what you think of it and let me know if you enjoyed it more than i did if maybe there's just something about it that i'm not getting and if you've read any her other books let me know if you think there's one that might be more to my tastes in the meantime you can get in touch in all the usual ways twitter the youtube comments and be sure that you are also subscribed to the youtube channel because that's where i do my giveaways uh, which you might not get if you're only listening to the podcast version and if you're listening on itunes please remember to review rate the podcast and you know even if you're not listening on itunes but you have an itunes account drop over there and give me a little rating because i need external validation in the meantime i'll see you in the next one